Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. If you have been trying to declutter your house, and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful. Uh, Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like The task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list, and I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it, or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know? Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Lockwood, and on the surface, I teach you how to declutter your home so you can focus on what matters most to you as a mom, which I'm guessing isn't those laundry mountains, dishes stacked to the sky, and the tornadoes you clean up all day. My hope for this podcast is so much more than teaching you to declutter. I record all of my episodes live and in real time so that you can have the experience of a mom friend who gets you and is there for you. My audio isn't perfect, my kids might interrupt us, but the conversations we have are real, impactful, and proof that there are other moms like you that decluttering has worked for. If you want to join me and thousands of other moms for live episodes, go find us on Instagram and Facebook. 
Just search Motherhood Simplified and we'll welcome you with open arms. See you soon. Welcome everybody to today's episode where I am teaching you all about how we do toys in our house and what all we have. Okay, so if you're listening to this episode and things are coming up for you, like what about gifts from family members and friends? What if my kids want to keep everything? What if I can't get past all the money that I spent on it? Everything that comes up with toys. I have five other podcast episodes about toys for you to go check out that go into those topics heavily and in depth for you. That's not what we're gonna be talking about today. Um, there's a podcast episode called How to Handle Gifts from Family Members and Friends. <laughs> a new way to declutter the toys that actually works. 10 reasons to declutter your kids' toys and how. And then I know it's a seasonal episode, but just get over it. Ignore that it's talking about Christmas. Simplified Christmas part one and two talks totally in depth about toys. The Purgeathon talks about toys. The courses talk about toys, like toys, 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 toys for days. And what I'm going to talk about today is a question that I get all the time, like all the time. What toys do I have and how do I rotate toys and just kind of how do I set up our house? And I have always been hesitant to share this because people take it so literally. They take it so literally and they think it's like this complete and final list of like, you can only have these kinds of toys and I can only have this many things and I have to do it this way and I have to set it up that way and blah, blah, blah. Like we complicate simplifying, right? It's kind of weird. We, we complicate the simplifying process. And today I hope that I can simplify the simplifying process for you so that you're not overthinking everything that you have and getting all up in your head about it and thinking that it has to be exactly the way that we do it in our house. And if you guys know anything about our story, you know that we have had all kinds of sizes of houses. Okay. First of all, we moved across the continent. We went all the way across Canada and the United States from Alaska to Florida with only three suitcases of stuff. Okay, two suitcases were of clothes, one of was of toys. Um, and to this day, we still have those original toys that I brought from Alaska to Florida, I'll talk about that. But we had that tiny amount of toys. And I learned basically overnight when we moved that it was the best decision for my kids who were two and four at the time. Like they were, their play went more in depth and I'll talk about that too. But just letting you guys know like how extreme we've been with the toy situation um, as far as having, you know, ankle deep playroom style toys where it's like, you can hardly even walk through the floor. It's like a maze. You have to navigate it. It's never clean. It's a mess to one suitcase of toys. And we lived in Florida for three, three and a half years. And then we moved to Idaho and we lived in our RV for about four months and thinking that, you know, we'd try the tiny home living and get settled in Idaho and didn't ultimately love it, but we only had the amount of toys that fit into the storage bench of our RV. So, hey, Savannah, 
so and Jessica and Lindsay and Erin, but we only had what fit in our RV. And that was after we had lived in Florida, accumulated some more, moved to Idaho, got rid of it, started accumulating some more. I brought the originals that I brought from Alaska to Florida with us to Idaho. And that's about all we brought. Um, and then we're here in California and I'm going to tell you where we're at now. It's like an in-between, but we've lived in such extreme ways with such a tiny amount of toys that I can tell you 100% with confidence that <laughs> you can stand to get rid of some. If you're overwhelmed, like your kids aren't going to miss them. They might at first be resistant, which I talk about in the other episodes, 10 reasons to declutter your toys. Um, they might be resistant. They might give you a little pushback because it's different. They don't know what's happening. They're not used to it. They are, you know, they have their own attachments and things that you've got to work through them. But I promise you, you're going to come out on the other end of it, totally relieved and totally happy that you did this. Um, so I just wanted to give you a background story. We've had all sizes and shapes of houses. Um, I also was a teacher. I should do a whole episode on like the classrooms that I did. But um, even as a teacher, when I moved to Florida and I was like, my house is really easy because we have less stuff. I wonder if this would work in a classroom. And then I would do it in the classrooms and it worked every single classroom. <laughs> um, and it was like the same results. It was like the kids were calmer. They were more engaged in their play. They played more in depth. And so I just want to let you know that it's not, I tell you that story because it's not only my kids that it works for. It's not only my house that this works for. It's worked in classrooms. It's worked for all of those other kids, like hundreds and hundreds of kids. It's worked for moms here in the group who have done it and implemented it. Like it works. <laughs> it works. So anyway, back to that. I'm going to give you guys some foundational stuff because I don't want this to be an episode where I just give you a list of my toys because that's not enough. Okay. That's not enough. That's not going to help you because then you're going to focus on the wrong things. You're going to be like, oh, I can only keep these toys. Not the point of this episode. So <laughs> Let's get into what I want to actually teach you guys real quick. So before that, Jill says the methods in the other episodes work. I spent the last few months implementing them and we are finally not overwhelmed by our toys. However, I'm still interested in seeing how others rotate toys. Yes. So that's a really good disclaimer real quick. If you haven't listened to those episodes yet, pause this episode right here, right now, because it, this is this is like the next step. Okay. You really need to get a grip on decluttering your stuff, moving past all those blocks before you implement what I'm about to implement with you or what I'm about to teach you because, um, I kind of give this analogy of it. Like you wouldn't go, if you wanted to go paint, you know, this beautiful canvas, you wouldn't go buy a canvas that's already been painted on and then paint over it. Like you would go get a blank canvas and then paint on it. Like the same thing with your toys. Like you're not going to be able to implement a system that works for you until you've purged all of the excess. Okay. So if you haven't been decluttering yet, stop listening now, go listen to the decluttering episodes um, that I mentioned at the beginning and will be linked in the description of this replay and then come back and finish this episode. But okay. So the first thing that I want to tell you guys is that I do rotate our toys, but I do it for a very specific purpose. And that is to promote depth of play in my kids, not to avoid purging toys. Okay. So that's something that I see 
happening a lot, whether it's intentional or you realize that's what's happening or not, is that a lot of you want to implement a toy rotation. You want to know how to do a toy rotation, but you're using the toy rotation as a band-aid for too many toys. Okay. You're like, we have so many toys. They can't play with them all. It's overwhelming. So I guess I'm going to pack half of them away and then I'll just rotate it out. And that sounds great in theory, but a toy rotation won't work either, you know, to the best that it possibly can be worked <laughs> until you have purged your toys. So I rotate to promote depth of play. And I, like I said, I have a teaching background, early childhood. I have a bachelor's degree in child development and I studied Montessori. I did the entire Montessori training, but didn't want to pay the $3,000 for it. So I don't have an official certificate because I was like, I'm not paying $3,000 for this because I was going to quit <laughs> like next month. Anyways, guys, I wanted to learn it. So I learned it, but I want to promote depth and depth of play. And if you want to promote depth and play, you have to be really mindful about the materials that you're giving your kids. Um, and examples of this. So I support stuffed animals. Okay. My kids have two big laundry baskets of stuffed animals and these stuffed animals are stuffed animals that they have collected from when we moved to Florida until now. We have a giant collection of beanie baby, beanie boo things. And I'm okay with it because my kids literally play with those and have played with those for thousands and thousands of hours. They have given them names, birthdays, backstories. They have sports competitions. They have dance parties. The depth of their play is amazing. Like the things that they do with these toys are so good for their brains, so good for their development, their social, emotional development. They're, it encourages them to play with each other. Like that is depth of play. If they have too many things, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to how kids play, but I especially noticed it in the classrooms. Like if there's too many things in an area, they don't play in depth. What they do is they want to see everything. They want to pull everything out. They want to see it all. They want to spread it all out. It gets very overstimulating, very overwhelming. And instead of them playing in depth and creating a story and exploring and collaborating and really going deep into the play, it ends up just being like this surface, throw things around, get wild and crazy <laughs> type of play. Okay. So another example that I think a lot of people can relate to and might understand it a little bit better is like in the kitchen, like the dramatic play kitchens, which pretty much everybody hates. And the reason that they hate it is because there's too much. So my first year of teaching, I had the the kitchen area set up. We had these really beautiful wooden kitchens. I was so excited and I put everything in there, like 10 pots and pans, all of the cooking utensils, all of the different kinds of foods you could imagine. And every single day, even though I would only allow like three kids in there at a time, what would happen is everything's dumped on the floor, thrown around, just totally chaotic and messy. And I couldn't even tell what they were doing in there, but I know that I was really frustrated by it because it was this big, giant, explosive mess. And about halfway through the year, my director, who was also Montessori trained, came in and was like, are you open to hearing some suggestions? <laughs> I was like, yes, please help me. She was like, 
you have too much stuff in here. Like they are overwhelmed. Reduce it down to one, one cooking pan, one pan with one lid and one, you know, like cooking utensil, one little bin of pretend food, one set of dishes for two people to sit at the table. So two people are eating, one person is cooking and then just see what happens. And what happened was it was no longer chaotic and those kids would actually play and create for each other and cook and practice those skills of like being in a conversation with each other, pretending to be adults, pretending to be mom and dad, instead of just like this explosive type of play. Um, so I do that. I do that in my home to promote depth of play. It's not so that I can keep everything. It's not a band aid. It's not me giving myself, you know, this seemingly creative way to still keep everything. That's not it. It's to promote depth of play. So, um, Jessica says that's definitely a valid point. I want to rotate so I can have an excuse to keep toys I feel detached to, not my kids' ones that I personally don't want them to get rid of. Yes, exactly. So, it is, it's a band aid. And Jessica's in the course, she's in the Clutter Free Motherhood course. So, we're going to work through that, girl. Like, you're going to come out. All right, <laughs> we'll help you. Um, but the depth of play is what I'm looking for. And the depth of play is what I'm looking for in Kaylee as well. I posted some pictures up in the, um, in the group this morning. You can go back and look for them. Just search like my name and toys <laughs> and it should come up. But in Kaylee's little play space area, I have a two cube shelf. Okay. It's a two cube, you know, like you can get like six or nine or 12 or 15. It's a two cube shelf. It's small. And I only put on there what can fit, but believe it or not, it has always been enough and it has always allowed her to go deep into her play. It's something that I wish I would have known with my older kids. So I switched things up right now this morning. I did a toy rotation. Um, and what we have out now is one little bin of magnetiles because all of my kids play with magnetiles one little box of Shopkins, one little dollhouse for the Shopkins. And then I have a little, um, oh, I put out her music box set. So she has a little box with some musical instruments and that's it. Like that's what she has to play with. And that's usually about the amount of stuff that I put out for her. And she doesn't get bored. She doesn't get destructive. She is able to easily see what is available to her and what she can pull out and what she wants to play with. And I can tell when it's starting to get too much because we're a normal house with normal kids and big kids and they'll pull things out of the closets and out of the areas and bring them downstairs because they want to play with them. And then I don't bring it back upstairs and it slowly gets out of control, but I just reset it about once a month, pull all the stuff back that, you know, the kids pulled out and brought downstairs and I never put away and reset it so that we have that foundation of stuff that's interesting to her and the big kids. It's open-ended and are things that she can play with for hours and hours and hours and be totally happy. Okay. Um, so that's how and why we rotate toys. I don't rotate my big kids toys. Um, first of all, the, don't really have a whole lot. <laughs> um, 
they just keep it in their rooms and they're responsible for their own toys. We have board games um, in the playroom, board games, and then like the electronics. So, and I'll tell you guys the list of stuff we have at the end. Don't worry. Um, but the next thing that I want to tell you guys is that most of the toys that we have are decades old. You guys like my new coffee cup? I need a drink. <laughs> Messy hair, don't care. Um, but most of our toys are really old and toys that we've had for a really long time and toys that I am going to keep for my grandkids. Okay. So when we left Alaska to Florida, like I said, I only brought one suitcase of toys. What I chose to bring were our little people dollhouse. We only have one, the Winnie the Pooh dollhouse set that we have. Um, and the little people that go with that house and then the Winnie the Pooh characters that go with that house. And then my son had some Batman, like a bat cave and some other kind. I don't, I don't really know what it is. I like a bat cave and the Imaginex. That's what it is. Imaginex people that go inside of it. So we brought basically three different kinds of dollhouses and all of the little people to go with those dollhouses. That's what I brought from Alaska to Florida. And that's what we have still to this day. When I post the pictures up in my group or in the group um, this morning about what Kaylee was playing with, those were Derek and Breeze back in Alaska 10 years ago. Breeze 10. And we got those for her, I think, when she was like about one. Because I was like, she's ready for it. She wasn't, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> that's what we got for her. And we've had them. And we will still have them for that long. So choosing timeless toys like that, I think is important to help you simplify it, especially when it comes to rotating. So when I rotate, I will pull out, I'll like, I'll have the little person house out with, you know, like 10 people, like 10 little people or 10 animals or whatever it is that they want to play with at the time. And then when they get kind of bored of that, I'll switch it out for the Winnie the Pooh one. And then when they get kind of bored with that, I'll switch it out for the Imagine Next one. And the reason that I do that is because it allows for depth of play. Instead of giving them three different dollhouses with all three sets of all the people right at once and it's just always chaotic and messy, they get to play with these different styles more in depth. And while it's not really a new toy, when I switch it out, it feels like a new toy to them. So most of our toys are toys like that. Toys like that that are old and just hold up and they don't have batteries. They don't have lights and sounds. I don't want this to be a type of list where everyone's like, we only have wooden toys or whatever. Like that's not the point because we don't only have wooden toys. We just have toys that my kids have consistently played with for the last decade and Kaylee will continue to play with for the next decade until we have grandkids and then I'll keep them for them and keep playing with them and we'll get tons and tons and thousands and thousands of hours and memories with them. So the other thing that I want to talk to you guys about that you guys might be kind of confused about, <laughs> just listen, but pretty much all of our toys are toys that all ages of kids can play with. Okay, so I don't have like 
toys that I switch out based on their age or stage of development. Not really. I mean, a little bit with Kaylee, and I'll talk about that when we do the list of stuff. But for the most part, like my two-year-old, or she's not two, my one-and-a-half-year-old, my eight-year-old, my 10-year-old all play with the same dollhouses and people. They all play with the same stuffed animals. They all play with the same balls. They all say play with the same magnet tiles. They all play with the same dolls. And that's it. Like there are some things that I separate out like Legos with little pieces when the baby is little, but she actually is really good about it now and plays with Shopkins with her big siblings. So it's, we're to that stage now where she can do that, which is pretty cool. But I don't have like one-year-old toys and two-year-old toys and three-year-old toys. Even when Kaylee was a baby, I didn't really go out and buy her a bunch of toys. Like I'm like, we have balls and we have dolls and we have stuffed animals and we have, I did go buy her a few little like um, cause and effect things that I'll talk about in the list. But for the most part, like I, I really didn't buy her anything special because she didn't need it. She doesn't need it. Like we don't need toys like we think we do. Okay. So the next thing that I want to talk to you guys about, like how we set it up is that we have the physical boundaries and then I have physical boundaries within the physical boundaries. Okay. So I've talked to you guys about this on other episodes, having a physical boundary, deciding where you're going to keep the stuff and how much space you have to store it. Like for Kaylee, her stuff fits on a two cube shelf. That's what we have. And then inside of that two cube shelf, I put other physical boundaries. So you can go back to the group and check the photos, but I have, I really like to use boxes and this is something that I learned from Montessori. So I will put her musical instruments in this pretty little, like it's kind of like a gift box. I think that's actually what it is. It's like this golden gift box um, that I got from like Hobby Lobby or Michael's or something. It's gold. It fits all of her instruments. It's pretty and it makes sense to her. So she knows that all the musical instruments go in the gold box and the gold box goes on the shelf. And what else does she have out right now? She has the Shopkins and the little dollhouse. So I have this heart shaped box that I got from Hobby Lobby. It was like a three pack. They stack inside of each other. I let the kids paint them like little cardboard heart boxes that's what I use for their toys now. So she has a little heart box full of Shopkins and she knows like this is where all the Shopkins go and the Shopkins box goes on the shelf. Um, I can't remember the, the last thing that I put on the shelf, but there's a physical bound. Oh, the magnet tiles. So the magnet tiles goes in a little fabric, shallow fabric bin and the fabric bin goes on the shelf. Like it's physical boundaries within physical boundaries so that it's easy to clean up, it's easy to keep track of, it's easy to keep in order. And of course, every kid loves, you know, a cute little box to put things in. So it works for everybody, but that's how I do all of our, even like our crafts, that's how I do our crafts. It's like a little tiny box of crayons or markers or glue sticks or scissors or collage materials, whatever. It's a little box on the shelf because it, is so helpful for your kids to be able to see that physical boundary, to be able to keep it in order, to be able to keep it neat, for you to know what's there, for you to know what you have, what you need, all that good stuff. So um, I want to just kind of wrap it up 
with this and let you know that I know it's a big adjustment to go from tons of toys and tons of excess to simplifying it. Know that it takes time to actually do that. Know that it takes time to get used to it. Um, but it's worth it because setting it up in a simplified way promotes togetherness. It promotes, I, I notice this in my own kids, it promotes them, them playing together, the big kids playing with the baby, the baby learning from the big kids, um, us playing with our kids because it's easy, it's simple, it's right there, it's not overwhelming, I'm not freaking out because it's a mess, like it promotes togetherness in the home. Um, but it also, the way that we set it up, you know, with like having their own spaces, like mostly for my big kids, there is that togetherness aspect, but because they have their own stuff in their own rooms too, like it also allows for them to have their independence and their ownership of their own stuff. Like my daughter has her calico critters and all of her craft stuff in her room. And that's the stuff that like the baby isn't allowed to touch. And then my son has like all of his um, Lego creations. I think that's pretty much all he has, his Lego creations and his trophies from sports in his room that nobody's allowed to touch, right? Like it promotes togetherness and playing collaboratively, but also allows for that type of uh, ownership, I guess, ownership or independent, independent play, which big kids want to. Um, okay. So let's get into the list of toys that we have because this is what, Everybody wants to know, um, what do you have? What do you have? Um, sometimes, I don't know if you guys ever saw the skit where like the guys at the movie theater and the girl's sitting in front of him and he's like, can I have your number? Like, can I have it? Can I have your number? Like, that's what I feel like this toy episode is, is that everybody's like, can I have a list of toys that you have? Can I have a list of toys that you have? Can I have it? Can I have your number? Can I have your list of toys? Um, here you go. Here's the list of toys. So for the big kids, we are blessed in this house, which like I said at the beginning of the episode has not always been the case to have a separate big kid playroom. And when my stepson gets here, who is 13, that is the hangout spot for the 13 year old, the 10 year old and the eight year old where they can be free to be 13, 10, and eight years old. <laughs> so in that room, we have a three-tier shelf. On the top shelf is all of the electronics, the Xbox, the PlayStation, all of those games and accessories that go along with that, the controllers, the chargers, blah, blah, blah. On the shelf below that are all of our board games. It's one shelf of board games and card games. I'm not gonna give you guys a list of every single game that we have. I will let you know that most of them are classic games like Monopoly, Clue, Scrabble, those kinds of games. Um, we don't really have a whole lot of other crazy games. Um, board games on that one. And then on the very bottom shelf are the things that the baby can't play with, like slime, clay, uh, Play-Doh, and they have all of that on the shelf. And then they have cutting boards that I bought specifically for them to keep it on the cutting board so that they have a physical boundary, right? Because kids need a physical boundary, otherwise there's gonna be Play-Doh, clay, and slime everywhere. They keep it on the cutting board. That's where they can work with it. That's where they can create. That's where they can play. When they're done, it goes back on the shelf. 
So that is four games, four games for the big kids. Arts and crafts are kept in my daughter's room. And the reason that we keep them in my daughter's room is because the two boys who are 13 and eight don't really care about it. My eight-year-old will go in there with her and play with her and make things with her, especially if I restock it and he's like, ooh, what's this? But we keep it in her room on her one desk. And I purposely keep it very open-ended where she has a lot of variety, but in small amounts. So she has one set of like uh, colored pastel, like oil pastels, one set of really nice like fine tip and larger tip markers, scissors, glue. She has a drawer of um, collage materials that fit into one little box and it has a hot glue gun, it has toilet paper rolls, all that stuff so she can make her own collages. She has um, just basic things like that. She has one spiral notebook that's a mixed media art paper so that she can use the pastels and the markers and the colored pencils on it so she can sketch, she can oil pastel, she can even paint on it because we do have acrylic paints too that she can use, um, but it's her little creative station. And it's separated from the toddler, so the toddler can't get it, but if the other, if the boys, if the older boys wanna do it with her, they are welcome to go in there with her. Um, so we have one desk of arts and crafts. Um, balls, we have so many balls. So <laughs> outside I have two laundry baskets of balls, jump ropes, things like um, football, kicking tees, um, football flags for flag football, that kind of thing. Like we have soccer balls, basketballs, footballs, footballs of different sizes for dad football, kid football, dad basketball, kid basketball, dad soccer, mom soccer, son soccer. So anyway, everything just goes in that, in those two laundry baskets and it's not a big deal. Then inside, I have a mesh bag full of softballs because um, not like softballs for like baseball softball, like actual softballs. Like um, I bought this dodgeball set of these like foam, really durable dodgeballs because my husband has always been a believer in that you can have balls in the house. So we have balls in the house, but they're softballs and they all go in one mesh bag. And I will be 100% honest with you guys. That's what my kids play with the most every single day. Every single day, we have a little basketball hoop up on the wall. Every single day, my son is practicing basketball. We are playing big. My All the kids of all ages are playing with the balls inside of the house. Um, I told you guys that we have a little people house, a Winnie the Pooh house, and a Batman house. And then I keep all of the characters for that inside of one fabric bin. Okay, so there's three houses and a fabric bin of people, like action figures or whatever you want to call it. That's it. Like, and it's enough. Um, I have one bin of dolls and accessories. So every, you know, not every kid, most kids like to play with dolls and accessories. And we think that more is better. I will tell you that's not really true. More is more overwhelming. It doesn't allow for you to play better or to have more fun playing. 
it just makes it more overwhelming. So I have one of the bigger size fabric bins with two dolls, two American Girl dolls, and then all the accessories. Um, one box of Shopkins, and it's not a big box, it's a pretty small box of Shopkins, and then one of Mixie Cues because my kids do love to play with Shopkins and Mixie Cues, and they do play with them for hours and hours and hours. Um, one shoebox size of Calico Critters and a Calico Critters dollhouse for my daughter, my oldest daughter, my 10 year old, because she really wanted one and she keeps that in her room because it's really special, really detailed, and she really loves it a lot. So that's her deal. Um, for Kaylee, who is 20 months now, I did buy her a few cause and effect toys. Um, and when I say cause and effect toys, that was like a musical instrument set, that little ball thing where you slap the balls down the thing, <laughs> whatever, whatever that thing is, a cause and effect toy, um, some shape sorters. I have like three different shape sorters, but I put them out one at a time so that she can practice and explore that. And then we have two chunky puzzles. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but it's enough for her because I give her one at a time. She practices it, she masters it, and then I give her the other one. And once she masters that and gets bored with that, I'll go get her some more, you know, a couple more, more challenging ones. But I don't have like 50 puzzles because she doesn't need 50 puzzles. She just needs to be able to have the practice of learning that puzzle and doing it over and over and having the depth of play with that puzzle. Um, same thing with like the shape sort sorters. Like she doesn't need every shape sorter in the world. She just needs like one or two really good quality shape sorters that she can explore with and master and perfect and get what she needs out of that toy. Basically. Um, we have magnetiles. I bought, I think we actually have two sets technically like two of the 100 piece sets because I got a 100 piece set for Christmas and then we got another one somewhere along the line. We got another one. We have two bins of Legos. And when I say bins, I don't mean like the big giant bins. I mean like the little fabric tote size bins of Legos. Um, my son is the one who's really into them. He likes to build them and then keep them built. So for the most part, all of our Legos are built and then they stay built, but we do still have like two spillover bins of like extras for when they just want to build creatively. One of the little bin type things of connects. Kaylee has a stroller for her dolls and then we have two bins of stuffed animals and that's it. It sounds like a lot. When I wrote it down, I was like, Oh my God, we have a lot, <laughs> but it doesn't feel like we have a lot. It doesn't feel like we're lacking for anything. Like it doesn't feel like, oh man, we really need to go buy more toys. It doesn't feel like that at all, but it also doesn't feel overwhelming and that I can't keep up on it. Like I can leave, I could pull everything out all at once if I wanted to, and it wouldn't be a big deal. I just choose not to so that, like I said, and keep saying on repeat, they can have that depth of play. They can go deep in their play. They can, you know, really explore it and create with it and do something really fun with it instead of just being like, I'm surrounded by everything all the time, right? 
and then they're excited and it feels like I went and bought them something new, but really I just pulled out the old stuff from the closet and they're excited to see it again. And my big kids are to the point where like when I pull out that stuff, they're like, oh my gosh, like I remember when we played with this. I remember what we did with this. And sometimes they'll continue on with it and sometimes they'll expand on it and make it different. And sometimes they will just be like, whatever, like <laughs> we're just going to play with it. Um, so that's it. Let me know if you guys have any questions because I feel like that got a lot longer than I was planning. I thought it was going to be kind of short, <laughs> but I guess it went longer. I hope it was helpful. Now you know what we have. Now you know how we do it. I only rotate it out once it starts to feel overwhelming. And the reason that it starts feeling overwhelming is because my big kids, like I said, they will pull things out of Kaylee's closet and be like, we want to play with this with her. We want to do this doll with her. We want to bring this out. And then it just gets to be too much of a bunch of different kinds of things and starts taking away from being able to play in depth. Um, being on repeat, but there's something I was going to say and I totally forgot. So anyway, if I remember, I'll just put a post up in the group. I hope this was helpful. I will see you guys all tomorrow. Bye. Hey friend, did you love this episode? If you did, I would love if you took a screenshot of it and shared it with somebody else. Okay. The whole point of this is to create a community of moms who get each other, who support each other, and who, when they find something that helps them, they share it with somebody. So I would love if you shared this podcast with somebody with maybe just a little note about how it helped you or how it inspired you so that it can help somebody else. I would also love it if you left me a review. Leaving a review lets me get better stats on the internet and blah, blah, blah. Basically, it helps me help more moms like you. I would so appreciate it. If you hated this episode, I'm sorry, but I'm also kind of impressed that you listened to it all and you're still listening. So still leave me a review, still share it <laughs> because I'm sure somebody can benefit from it. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, Head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the motherhood simplified Facebook group. 
or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.